The march of the M processor continues with the impending release of the M2. What kind of performance can we expect? And should Apple be worried about Samsung's newest mobile processor? It's all in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Jason Cross. Hello. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. Uh, the rumors of upcoming Macs are starting to pick up, and it's been about 16 months since the M1 made its debut. So it looks like we're going to see the M1's follow-up, which we're calling the M2 processor. It, you know, there hasn't been an official announcement yet. Makes sense to call it the M2. It would yeah, seem weird if they named it something else. That's pretty safe. Pretty safe. Yeah. And they'll probably later on be an M2 Pro and an M2 Max. And since the processor isn't out yet, we don't know what kind of performance it will offer, but we could take some educated guesses based on what Apple has done with its A-series processors, and that's what Jason did in a recent article. Yeah, the basic premise is, like, I don't I don't think that they're going to do anything architecturally different with the M2 compared to the M1. Like, it's not going to, they're not going to suddenly decide to have a different completely different core configuration, all large cores or something like that, you know, anything. Um, It's basically going to take what they did with the M1 and update it to the A15's architecture, the A15's architecture improvements over the A14. Just like the A15 was the A14, but with new architecture, but still the same core counts and stuff like that, just like architectural improvements and stuff. The only difference is the GPU went to five cores instead of four. They only enable the fifth core in the pro models of the iPhones, but other than that. So we just took that, like how much better is the A15 than the A14? And if you apply that to the M1, what do you end up with? At the end of the day, it looks like somewhere around 20% faster CPU and 15 to 20 and like 30% to 40% faster GPU, which is a pretty good yeah. year and a half of progress, right? That's that's better than some Intel upgrades. That's, that's better than most yeah. what Intel and AMD usually yeah. gives you from one generation to the next, at least in that kind of time period. So if if they do that, we expect the power utilization to be roughly similar. You know, it'll have an improved image signal processor and stuff. You know, the other things they do mm-hmm. like that and the the neural engine, the same upgrades that you get to the. From the A15 to A14 to the A15. So it's not, I don't think it's going to be a surprising chip, but I think it's going to be, if you if you look at those numbers and you project what would those benchmarks be, it's kind of like right on par-ish with Apple, I mean Apple's, with Intel's new Alder Lake Core yeah. i9, yep. except at probably about a third the power, a half to a third. Yeah, which is amazing. Power. I mean, that, that they're able to do that is amazing. And so this is the first, sec- second generation of these chips. When we get to the third generation, they're going to start leapfrogging Intel and AMD. Because Possibly. The, uh, the, the, yeah, the way they're... Both Intel and AMD are, are really uh, have a, a fire lit under them now and are making impressive changes. Like Alder Lake's an, an impressive change yeah. over past Intel chips. So we'll, we'll see if they manage to keep this but kind of... It's the, right, well, that's the thing. It's Apple's cadence looks like about what 18 months yeah and i don't know if intel can turn that around <laughs> on that same schedule as quick it might even be less than 18 it, it, it might, might be. be it might have to it do might be. on phones it's a year 
Right. Every year is a new chip. Right. And, and it, I, I suspect they're going to get to that at least with the the regular, not the Pro and Max, but the regular M series chips. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just going to have an M series chip every year too. And that would be uh, a cadence that's hard for them to match. But, you know, they're also like Intel's on a good path with their manufacturing technology. They're on a good path with their architecture change. AMD's on a really good path with their architecture changes. I don't think they're going to catch up in the really, really thin and light ultra low power stuff, but in the higher power stuff and the desktop stuff, uh, the, the fight is on now. And yeah, for it sure. It didn't look like it for was. Sure. And it was when they came out with the M1, it was, it was a bloodbath. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh my God, I can't believe how fast this thing is at this power. Right. It's not like you, you can't get this performance in an AMD or Intel chip. It's like you can't get this performance anywhere near this low a power. Right. Like it's not even close. And they're just gonna they're just gonna wipe the floor with <laughs> with these guys. And it, it looks like AMD and Intel might be able to turn things around. It's gonna be a really interesting next few years. It kind of doesn't matter for us because it's not like an Intel or AMD chip is possible, right? Like no matter how good they are, Apple's not gonna switch back or something. And vice right. versa. Right. But it's you it's, can't use Apple chips true. to run Windows, so it's right. It's only interesting in that perspective of well, gee, a year and a half ago, Apple really embarrassed Intel and AMD, especially Intel, and it seems to have had an effect. Sure. Like yeah. that, both that and AMD taking away a lot of market share with its moves over the last few years. Intel's reorganized a lot of stuff, changed a lot of their culture and everything, and they're going in a completely different direction now. Uh, and it's it, the results seem to be pretty good so far. Alder Lake's a, a big improvement, so we'll see. We'll see what's going on. That's it's. it's going to be a fun few years. I like it when everything's close enough that they really duke it out and there's a lot of rapid progress. It's no fun when it's lopsided because then it doesn't, you don't see pro- the, that kind of rapid progress. And we haven't even seen what Apple is going to do with the desktops really yet at all. I mean, the, no. the, the 24 inch iMac is the M1. It's the, it's the MacBook Air in a, in a, in an all-in-one. Mm-hmm. So what we're we're expecting the the that MacBook uh, the I'm sorry the iMac Pro is going to maybe bring a different configuration of, of that Mac chip and the you know obviously the holy grail is what are they going to do with that Mac Pro and how is that going to compare to those high end Intel workstations? Uh, the Mac Pro, I don't know if we'll ever see an M1 based version of the Mac Pro. It might only be based off the M2. But I, my guess is, I mean, the chips, the M2 Max is such an enormous chip. It is so much bigger than any, the biggest, highest end, ex, most expensive NVIDIA GPU and stuff. Like, it's huge. It's it's enormous. You're talking about, like, size. Size, like, like yeah. physical area yeah. size. Yep. And it gets harder, it gets exponentially harder to make them without defects the bigger they get. And more expensive. So, and that raises the price even more. So they already build in all this stuff where they have like redundancy in there. So that if there's defects, they can block off parts of the chip and still have a good one and all this other stuff. And it just gets worse and worse. So 
the idea that they're just going to make it like a twice as big chip, I just, <laughs> that's, that's too big. Nobody's, you'd be out of their mind to make something that big. So my guess is what we're going to see is something like, like an M1 Max and an M1 Max with an interconnect, with a really fast interconnect. So two of them together. And then it's, there's going to be some magic about how do you load balance and stuff. Um, it may not be the M1 though. It might be the M2 Max or the M2 right, right, Pro. Right. Yeah, I think that makes it, or something entirely different. They might just call it something specifically like Intel has the Xeon chips that are just for those types of machines. They yeah. might um, go on a different direction and where Yeah, it might branding wise, it might be something th- right. Else. A third, but they're a third already iteration. making three pieces of silicon for their for the Mac. So it seems hard hard to imagine they'll make a fourth just for the very very small segment of the market that the Pro is. Yeah. Well, they're making. Yeah, I mean, either way, right. they're going to make. It's going to be different. It's so going to be different, I, but yeah. I think what it's going to be is it's going to be the Max chips, just multiple of them. And we used to see this. We used to see yeah. Xeon workstations. We used to see Max with the multiple dual Xeon processors and stuff. Well, or the Power so Mac G4s back in the day had they had multiple processor options yeah. as well. Yep. So this this is the thing that exists and can happen, and mm-hmm. and I think. Uh, I think that's the road Apple's going to go down. And I don't know if we're going to see it this year. Yeah. I wonder if we're not going to get like a sneak preview of it and then they'll, they'll deliver it maybe 2023. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be nice if they at least teased it at WWDC, right? Yeah. I mean, they're going to want to get that transition kind of wrapped up this year to stay within that, that roadmap that they promised, but they've, (laughs) <laughs> particularly with the Mac Pro, they've announced it and then not shipped it for like six to eight months because, you know, they, you know, the iMac Pro that happened to the Mac Pro that happened to the other Mac Pro that happened to. So um, it wouldn't be surprising if we get a sneak peek at June in June and then it doesn't ship till late December, maybe even January, February next year. I mean, those margins, those uh, margins, the, uh, those, they have such a small niche product that it's not going to affect too much if they wait, you know, a while. But I have to assume the Mac Pro sales have dropped to basically zero at this point because everybody's waiting. The people going to buy those are waiting. So another key factor for the Mac Pro is graphic performance. And Jason, you also took a look at what we could see graphic-wise. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, just like the leap from the A15, the A14 to the A15, um, Probably thirty percent or so. It's uh, it it has twenty five percent more cores. They have the A fifteen has five cores, not four, and they only enable that fifth core in the iPhone uh, thirteen Pro models. Um, so we think that's I think that's going to happen in the M two. It's going to have ten cores, and then there'll be like a nine core entry level MacBook Air, you know. But then you can get the ten core, and that's gonna that gives you. 25% more GPU right there. And then some efficiency and higher clocks and stuff like that gives you another five to 10% maybe. What we're not going to see yet um, is ray tracing, which is kind of where all the graphics stuff on the PC side is going. It's like ray tracing acceleration is a huge deal. Apple's going to have to get there at some point. <laughs> and it's not, it's not, I don't think it's going to be the M2, but uh, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that because. They also don't support any of the APIs officially anymore that do ray tracing. OpenGL is deprecated. They don't support Vulkan. They don't, you know, certainly don't support like 
direct 3d or anything like that they can't so they're gonna have to come out with like metal rt or something <laughs> uh ray tracing can you just explain that real quick for us who don't know yeah what that is? Um, <laughs> I, I mean i've seen the term it's it's hard to describe if you don't know how 3d graphics are drawn but basically what it does is it 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 follows a ray of light from the light source out bouncing off of material it then it, you know it'll bounce off a wall pick up the color of that wall bounce off in the proper direction and so until it reaches your eye technically literally they go read in reverse they go from your eye back to the light source because otherwise you're, tra- you're tracing all these rays that don't mean anything but um what it enables is reflections that look perfect and right and correct and stuff all the time and it lets you do things like get lighting that properly uh, indirect lighting that that looks correct and proper like if you sh- shine a white flashlight on a red wall it will light up the rest of the room red because the light bouncing off that wall is all red you don't you don't you, it's hard to fake that with regular rasterization. You have to, you, you can do it, but it's like big, confusing, expensive. Like get that for free in ray tracing, but it's very computationally intensive. They use it all the time in Hollywood movies. Hollywood movies use a mix of ray tracing and rasterization, but it's, they use a lot of it because they can spend hours rendering one frame. And it's, you know, to do it at 30 frames a second or 60 frames a second is takes a lot. So they, there's hardware in the latest NVIDIA and AMD graphics chips that speed it up and there's apis to for developers to support it and so on and they use it sparingly in games they use it here and there for accents and stuff because it's again it takes a lot it's computationally intensive it's a big hit to performance um but it looks the the effects look awesome when it's done well so that's going to be the kind of thing that like Apple, Apple's never been like a high-end gaming company or anything like that. But eventually, they're going to have to keep up with just like what's the state of the art in 3D graphics. And they're already years behind. I mean, it's been a c- couple of years now they've been doing this stuff on the PC side. So they, they're going to have to get there sometime. And also, I mean, AR, VR stuff, that is coming at some point, even if Apple's not going to do uh, Mac high-end gaming on the Mac. I mean, that seems like that would be important for that. So Maybe. Uh, it, the, the hardest thing with AR and VR is your frame rates need to be really, really super high and never waver. Um, or you start to make people feel sick. <laughs> so it's which is exactly the opposite of what you get with ray tracing. You get everything goes slower. So yeah, it We'll, we'll get there at some point. With the M2, just just figure everything in the M1 chips 30% faster on gra- on the graphics side. Same uh, same stuff, 30% faster. Right, like you said, uh, iPhone to iPhone. iPhone 13 to iPhone 12, like it's about, you know, 15 to 30%. It's not something that you're going to probably notice uh, going from one machine to the next, but, you know, it's, it's there. Yep. I think it'll matter more on Macs where... You're rendering at higher resolutions on a bigger screen all the time, and, and 3D graphics quality means more, I would say. So considering the cap- potential capabilities of the GPU for the M2 uh, and Apple's support of APIs, what do you think that means for third-party graphic card support in a, in a Mac Pro? Yeah, that's the whew, that's the question. Would a Mac would a future Mac Pro 
like now they ship them with AMD workstation GPUs. Would they still do that? Would they support that at all? I got to think no. I got to think that they're slapping in. There's just too much advantage to having your GPU be right there centrally located with your CPU, working conjunction, using the same unified memory, having extremely fast memory. Um, for the types of applications that Apple always seems to prioritize in desktop Macs, which is like video production and stuff like that, rather than say 3D gaming, I, I got to think it is. They're not, they're not big into like the, you want to do your CAD work on here, right? So yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's hard to say. There's there's a lot of value to a discrete GPU with its own bank of memory and its own power supply and all this other stuff. Well, is there is there is there an Apple designed discrete GPU? Could we see That's that? the other thing. They could yeah. take their GPU architecture and slap That's it on right. a PCIe card for themselves or just somewhere else on the motherboard with its own bank of memory and its own power supply and its own voltage regulators and all that other stuff and just to make it go faster. That is it, a potential. It would be somewhat easier, I assume, to support those eGPUs with a with an M2 processor because they did that not for a little while. Yeah, not necessarily. Um, the eGPU stuff, like it's um, it, it's part of that sort of Thunderbolt three or four spec that, and um, you know, as long as they support that, the same I/O over Thunderbolt. They can do it, but the question is like, I, I think they're moving away from that. I don't think that really. Yeah, that was a that was a away. thing for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think the I don't think the market that they imagined wanted this was as big as they thought. But it's really hard to imagine that with what the sales of a Mac, the Mac Pros are, that they would go manufacturing a separate <clears throat> discrete GPU. Or discrete, or or a separate CPU with just the CPU cores and not the GPU cores and stuff in it, just for that product that sells maybe ten thousand a year, maybe. Like it's it's just it's hard to imagine that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it sells ten thousand. It, it's an important uh, audience, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm 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 so like I'm I would I'm not gonna buy one, but I'm so curious to see. I have all the Macs coming out this year, and there's a lot of them. That one is the one that I absolutely can't wait to see how they sell it, what it looks like, and what it does. Yeah, although, and I'm absolutely not going to get one. Like, <laughs> you know, there's no no way. Even if it's three thousand dollars, I mean, I'm not buying it. Like, it yes. used to be, you know, three thousand is you know somewhat in the stratosphere of affordability. That's not six thousand, but I'm still no way. Like, I don't like it's just a waste on me. Yes, yeah, I could spend my money much better elsewhere. But I'm very curious, and you know, we'll write tons of stuff about it because it's just so interesting and intriguing as what they can do with that. For chip. me, the, the product I'm looking forward to personally is the larger iMac, whether they call it an iMac Pro or just the 30 inch iMac or 27 inch iMac or whatever it is, the one that's bigger than the the 24, because that's that's more the that's the kind of Mac product that I would like to use for my daily productivity. Uh, the rumors this past weekend was that it's going to be pretty pricey because I think, well, you know, German, uh, Mark German from Bloomberg, he's kind of couches all this stuff, but he said there, like, there won't be a quote low end version of it, which presumably that means the $1,800 one. 
So we're looking at like 2,500 and up. The iMac Pro, which is the one that we've kind of bandied about as it replacing, that was that was $5,000. So right. it, it could be but pricey. Besides, I think this is also meant to just replace the 27-inch iMac, which is still kicking right. around. That starts at 18. Yeah. So I think it's going to come somewhere in between that. Maybe. Because they're going to do probably an HDR display mm-hmm. yep. and who knows what else. Yeah, so I'm right. I'm thinking twenty five hundred, twenty nine, twenty nine, yeah, something like, like that. that. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, be a, it'll be a good machine. Yeah, and that's made way more. That's the kind of thing like I would get sure. and use for my daily productivity. Yep, working on MacWorld stuff for the next like four or five years. Absolutely, get another one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it'll basically be a MacBook Pro, an all in one version of it of that. Yeah, yeah, with the yep. twenty seven inch screen. Yeah, they're saying exactly. we we thought. Originally 30 inches because of the footprint shrinking and all that stuff, but the rumors say 27. It's going to stick with 27. So yeah, I mean, who knows? It's, all we know is that we can expect the the same treatment as the M1 with the, I mean the 24 inch M1 iMac with the yeah. sl- slimmer bezels and stuff. Maybe not the pastel colors. I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah, it'll probably be space gray silver. You know that that's that's their pro colors, if you will. I just want to know if the iMac Pro is going to come with a stand. Or if it's going to be optional. <laughs> no, it's going to have it's going to have the built-in stand yeah, that doesn't right. go up or down, right. <laughs> and everyone's going to stick it on three reams of paper, right? Like they do now. Yeah. Yeah, we wrote we wrote recently about it was the I don't know twenty was it twentieth anniversary of the iMac G four and that was like the ultimate high end watermark of iMac design. Like it, 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 it was. I mean, the the swivel went everywhere you needed it to go, and it was just that was just perfect. So there are other parts of the CPU that can affect performance. There's the neural engine that Jason mentioned. There's uh, ProRes acceleration, which will probably be only on the Pro and the Max version of the chips. <laughs> and then are we also still looking at the same kind of RAM configuration with eight and sixteen? You guys think they're not going to. There's no reason to oh, change that. Add, yeah, for sure. On the on the M2, yeah. On the M2, for sure. The the Pro and Max, probably again the same things they're doing today. Um, I would imagine when, when they do a Mac Pro and they're stitching two of them together with an interconnect, just double everything because each chip has its own bank of memory. Yep. That it's and you know, we, it's been proven time and again that 16, while it seemed low when it came out last year or two years ago, or whatever it was, is plenty. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. The way they handle RAM now, a 16 gigs is a lot. I'm I've been using an eight gig um, uh, MacBook Air, and I'm constantly shocked at how well it runs because I'm used to eight gigs on an Intel MacBook Pro always running into these problems with like you know thrashing against the ssd and waiting for this and that and it's just snappy all the time like i i don't even know what the difference is i don't even know what i'd where i'd run into an issue (laughs) yeah i mean i I have issues on mine but that's you know i've written about that before that's not the norm but uh, for the most part, eight gigs. Yeah, is that, that weird is, is thing where it just yeah. for for some reason an app just starts using a yeah. ton of memory, like memory leaks or something. So that's the M2. We'll get um, eventually this year. We'll finally find out what it's all about. 
But in the meantime, we can look forward to Samsung's new processor. Samsung's new Galaxy S22 was released, and it features Samsung's... How do you say it? Is it Exynos? Uh, Exyn- Exynos. Yeah. Exynos processor. Exynos 20, 2200s. Which sounds sounds super powerful. <laughs> <laughs> that, I should we should uh, mention that here in the United States, most yeah. of North America, they ship it with a Qualcomm Snapdragon processor. Right. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, eight Gen One eight, or something? Eight, what yeah, Samsung a Snapdragon Eight Generation One yeah. is what they're calling it, which now. is a completely different chip and is expected to be much faster and stuff. And it and that has to do with radio licensing and stuff in all North America. So it's kind of the international version where you get the Exynos chip. <laughs> and, and which is uh, which is a lot of phones. That's it's a know, lot of phones. Yeah, it's and, the rest uh, of the world. <laughs> and and Mike Mike uh, put it through the ringer and it was not pretty. <laughs> no. In fact I uh, uh, Jason did the charts and I sent him the numbers. He's like, Are you sure these are right? <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, they're 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 laughably low. Uh, really CPU, are. GPU, and and yeah, well, CPU, GPU, and um, neural engine scores. There, ah, just you know, they they don't even beat an iPhone 11, which was now yeah. two years old and is 600 bucks. <laughs> it's it's not it's not good. And you know, Jason, you know, he was talking just a minute ago about Samsung, uh, Qualcomm's new um, processor, which is in the S22. And if you look at the we we're we haven't gotten ours in yet for testing at PC World, but if you look at the numbers that are out there. They're not uh, GPU wise. They're way more, but they're CPU more. they're pretty close, and the iPhone trounces those too. I mean, I'm, yeah, they're better, but they're not. They're not no any competition for the A fifty. Yeah, not even close. And it's you know, it's Apple has done such a, a quiet, tremendous job of building a, a mobile processor that's just untouchable. I mean, we could talk about Intel and, and AMD and how they're close on the Mac side, but when it comes to the iPhone and the iPad, forget it. Like no one's even in the same like same sport, let alone the same league. <laughs> True. Uh, it's and it really comes down to what can you do when you're constrained by power. And Apple started in that arena. You know, b- back when what was it the A4, or the A5? It was the A4 and the the iPhone four was their iPhone first. IPhone 4, which I think was the A5 or something like that, had the first where they had their own CPU cores and they were still using licensed GPU cores and they've slowly taken over more and more of the chip over time. But, you know, they, they've always been starting with the phone and trying to scale up from there. Um, and everybody was kind of wondering, well, how will that how well will that work when you scale up to like high power laptops and eventually desktops? And it turns out pretty, pretty darn well. <laughs> pretty darn well. Um. Yeah, kind of, kind of makes you wonder what they could do if they could just go ahead and make a hundred something watt chip. Go yeah, ahead and use double right? power. Seriously, <laughs> which I mean, that might be what we see in the Mac Pro. We'll see. You know. Yeah, because they'll put two like forty five watt yeah. chips or something in there, and, or four, two to two to four, right? And it'll be like a four M one. Think of like an M two Max, and then four of those. Working in parallel, that would be like the highest end twenty thousand dollar Mac Pro, and yeah. it would be fifty thousand crazy. Yeah, thousand <laughs> yeah. uh, dollars per wheel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to the the S twenty two. So th- this so uh, Samsung's chip. This was supposed to be like the big breakthrough year. They they teamed up with AMD for the graphics. Oh, side so embarrassing thing. for AMD. Yeah, really. 
And this was supposed to be like they had a press release like a year and a half ago, like we're doing this thing and we're taking our time and we're building it. And, it's and so it, they, these chips usually come out about three months ahead of time. It didn't. It got delayed and everyone was thinking like, well, what's going on? Like, well, now we know. It's <laughs> yeah. not a lot to crow about. <laughs> it's barely faster than last year. Like yeah. in some tests, it wasn't. Like it's just, it wasn't. yeah. And it's just like, what on earth is happening and, with this? Chip? And in particular for, for AMD, who was taking their RDNA two graphics architecture, which is what's in their high end PC graphics cards today and scaling it all down to a mobile thing. It's considerably slower than Qualcomm's Snapdragon yes. CPU. On the graphic side, big time. On the graphic side, which is kind of embarrassing. Like that was the one thing, like even if Samsung couldn't beat Qualcomm on anything else. Like that was that we got yeah. AMD and their hot RDNA two architecture stuff, and right. they didn't even tie. They're not even close. It's no, like, it's bad. It's <laughs> really bad. <laughs> Everyone's I mean, pointing. All the enthusiasts are pointing fingers at Samsung's manufacturing their um their their chip foundry because the Exynos is built yep. from Samsung chip foundry, whereas the Qualcomm stuff is made by TSMC, and everybody's kind of pointing the fingers there, yep. saying. Well, that's that's why. And, like, well, I mean, Samsung is who literally. Who cares what the reason? Yeah, it does, it's, it's, like, it's if you're right, a customer. Right. What do you care? Right, and they're they're literally the largest chip maker in the world. That foundry is the largest. Like, it's not like this is a fly by night uh, company. Like Samsung makes Samsung's is. Yeah, I'm surprised. I wouldn't yeah. think TSMC's. They're the they're the they're the largest by whatever metric they're using. Oh, so mm-hmm. it's not like you know this is their first rodeo here. I mean, they know what they're doing when they come yeah, to building they should, chips. They should be. It should be better than this. Yeah. Let's just say it should be better than this. I mean, when you when you when you look at the bars on our website, it's like wh- what? Right. <laughs> it's not to say, by the way, that the Samsung the S twenty two is a bad phone because there's a million other things that go into it. Sure, what makes a good phone? Sure, but now at the moment, like sure, if you buy one out of the box, but right, people are keeping their phones two three years. You know, yeah, Samsung's longer. promising four years of, of Android upgrades. What's this thing going to look like in 2027? Yeah. <laughs> and they throw all the RAM in the world at it, too. Right? Yeah. How much was it? Have eight gigs? Uh, tw- uh, eight gigs to, for the, is the baseline and 12 for the higher the higher ones, yeah. It's, it was, it was, the, the results were shocking. I mean, you know, for us, it was great because it's funny to write the article that says, why wow, this phone sucks. But, you know, it, it's almost like I almost felt bad for them. Like, man, this is so pitiful. <laughs> In terms of implementation, people are going to want their Android phones. They, they don't really care what's going on in the iPhone. But well, what it is is it's an indicator of our technical prowess, I guess. Yeah. Technical For ability. Sure. Yeah. Or? Yeah, I agree. Like all the things that go into it, like the the, the planning, the, the design, the manufacturing of the actual chip itself, the chip foundry stuff. Like everything's coming together well on the Apple side. And not as well <laughs> over at the most popular premium Android competitor. And I think that people are more likely to switch phones than they are PCs. So I think there are a fair amount of people who could, you know, maybe get fed up with Samsung and say, you know what, I'm going to try out the iPhone. I know um, uh, not to not to call anybody out, but uh, David Ruddock of Android Police, who used to work for Android Police, he switched to iPhone recently, talked about it on Twitter. So. You know, it does happen. Whereas, because the ecosystems with Google and Apple, like you can kind of freely ish move between phones and still keep your stuff and your apps and your things, and it's not as difficult. 
I tell you, if if Apple enables either side loading or some sort of uh, alternate app stores or anything like that, because they're forced to by some governments or something, they're never going to do it on their own. But if they but if they're forced to and that happens, there are a lot of people on the Android side who would switch. There, that's their main complaint is Apple's like sort of app store stranglehold what they allow in the app store and don't allow in the app store and how they can't get the other favorite thing that they want because of this that and the other thing you know they have no nobody they don't have any complaints about the hardware their complaint is about sort of apple's policy yeah and you can see android phone makers they want apple to keep their walled garden so to speak because that's yeah, seriously. it's a marketing I mean that's that's it's a big it is it's a it's a big reason to to you continue to stick with Android, even though Google frowns upon it and does throws up all sorts of roadblocks to stop you from doing it, it would never take it away completely. Well, we have articles on our website uh, detailing both these issues. Jason's article and uh, Mike did a write up on Samsung's processor and compared it to the iPhone. Uh, if you want links, you can find that on MacWorld.com, and we'll also put them in our show notes. That does it for this episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 781. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. And thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast in the podcast app on Spotify, on Apple Music, or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time.